For those who are just joining us, we are in week three of a three-part series that we're calling Staying in Love. And that's what it's about. The series we've been in is not about how to fall in love. That is the easiest thing. Developing a crush, you don't have to work at that. It just happens. But that whole staying in love piece, that's hard. Um, And as we wrap up, this is part three of our three-part series. As you walk out the door today, the last thing as part of the series that we're going to do is we're going to play a great country song. Now, some of you might be saying, great country oxymoron. That is not the case. I grew up on a piece of property that had a barn and a silo, and I appreciate a good country song, and this is a good country song. It's a song, um, Shania Twain made it famous, You're Still the One. That's going to be playing as you walk out. And the reason we're going to have that song playing as you walk out is because that's what this series is about. That is the song that you want to slow dance to on your 50th wedding anniversary. That's the one, in fact, you don't want to just slow dance to it. You want to say, hey, everyone clear the floor. Because this is our song. After all those years, she's still the one, he's still the one. After all we've been through, after those times where we thought, we're not going to make it. After those times where, where, where we thought we're not going to make it financially. You know, through the highs and the lows, the good times and the bad. We made it. And we, we're not just going to finish this thing. We're going to finish this thing strong. We're going to finish this thing stronger than we went into it. That's, that's, what, that's what we long for, isn't it? That's what we long for. We long to have that, at least most of us. We long to have that kind of relationship where you meet that special someone and it's more than a golfing buddy and more than a coworker, and more than a friend and more than a special friend. This is a person who you are doing life together and over time the relationship gets stronger and stronger and stronger. That's what we've been, been looking at. How, how do you do that? Because it's hard. In this world, that, that, it doesn't come naturally. That's, that's, that's hard. But it's the one again that we long for. Now the good news when it comes to that type of relationship is that you already know how to do that. You already know how to contribute to making a relationship that, that's not just going to go the distance, but that's going to finish strong. And it gets better than that. Not only do you know how, God wants to help you. So you already know how, God wants to help you. So let's look at that today. Um, there's, as, as always, there's more to cover than we could ever hope to cover, but I'll do the best I can to talk fast and to cover a lot of ground today as we, as we finish this, this series. And let's start here, because this is the place to start. God... The, the type of love that we long for the most is the kind of love that God has for us. It's the kind of love that God has modeled for us. It is the type of God that, love that God extends to us. So I'd encourage you, as we dive in here, to write this down. The love of God, the, the love that God extends to us, it is undeserved, it is initiating, and it's sacrificial. That's the, the love that God extends to us. And that's the love that we really long for the, the, um, the most deeply. Now, of all of the books of the Bible that unpack this, this, this love of God, that help explain this love of God. I can't think of one that does a better job of unpacking God's love for us than the book of Romans. It, it's a book that, that has, um, it has spoken so powerfully to so many people. In fact, if you were to go home and Google, or even right here, if you were to Google uh, most influential people of all time and start comparing those lists, you'd see the author of this book of Romans on there on multiple lists, not just from the Christians. I've seen, I've seen the name of Paul on these lists as high as number three. Some people put him higher than Jesus in terms of people who have influenced our world. And 
of all of his influential writings, I can't think of a writing of his that has influenced more people than this book of Romans. So this is, this is powerful stuff. And not only has this been influential, this has been influential in influential people. I think of a guy named Martin Luther. Some of you may have heard of him before. Martin Luther, this was a book, when he read and began to understand of God's love, especially as expressed through Romans, it, it changed everything for him. And because it changed everything for him, he ended up changing all kinds of things for our world. So this is, this is powerful stuff. This is powerful stuff. So let's open up our Bibles, if you have one, to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 16. I also want to quick say as a side note, if you don't have a Bible at home, we would love to send you home with one free today. No strings, no charge, any of that kind of stuff. Right at that back table, the welcome table, we should. Do we still have some, Jeremy? Are there any left? Do we have any Bibles left on the table? Yes, there are. Okay, so we have a Bible there for you. We'd love for you to, to take it. All right, here we go. Romans chapter 1, uh, uh, starting with verse 16. Paul writes this. He says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. And it's interesting that a man is saying this because the gospel is the gospel of love. The gospel is the great news that God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son for us, that whoever would believe in him would not die but have eternal life. This is this great news. He says, I'm not ashamed of this because it is the, say it with me, power of God. This gospel, this transforming message of God's love, this is the power of God for salvation. It can save us. It can rescue us. It can change our lives. For salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, I would encourage you to bookmark this in your head because we're going to come back to that first phrase. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God. Uh, hopefully that's going to make even more sense in, in just a, a few minutes. But let's continue to read, continuing on with verse 18. Four, or, and, and what we're looking at here, we're seeing that this, this love of God, it is undeserved. It really is undeserved. And here we're going to get a little glimpse into that and to, as to why God is loving us in an undeserved way. It says it's for the wrath of God. The wrath of God, it's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men and women, who by their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. For what can be known about God, it is plain to us. God has shown it to us. His invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature, they have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that we're without excuse. For although we knew God and know God, we don't honor him. We don't honor him as God. We don't give thanks to him as God. But instead, we become, become futile in our thinking, and our, our foolish hearts are darkened. Claiming to be wise, we're fools. And we exchange the glory of God for all these things. It, this, is, this is a topic that, that merits, and we have pressed into this um, at different times. This is a topic that just merits extreme exploration. Uh, and we won't be able to fully get into that today, but let me, let me just comment on this a little bit. This love of God is so undeserved. God is the king of all kings. And there's not a person in this room who honors God the way we should honor God. There's not. Not a person in this room. We don't honor God the way we should honor God. We don't give thanks to God the way we should give thanks to God. None of us do. We don't, we don't obey God the way we should obey God. None of us do. And as we look in the scripture and as God reveals who he is, that's more than a big deal. That is rebellion of the highest order. 
it, disobedience to God is worthy of death. Not honoring God as he should be honored is worthy of death. Not thanking God as we should thank him. That's a big deal. And so you look at this and you look at the scripture and, 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 and it, it, the Bible clearly reveals, hey, any kind of love that God shows us, it is undeserved. And what's fascinating about God and what's unbelievable about God is despite this sin, instead of reacting to our sin and rebellion and disobedience and dishonor and our lack of gratitude, instead of either turning his back on us or smiting us or doing all these things that we would deserve, instead of that, he's patient with us. He sends his son to die for us. This is, is shocking, the way God loves it is completely undeserved, completely undeserved. And not only undeserved, God takes initiative, and God's love is sacrificial. As we continue to read, let's look at Romans 5. As we continue to see, as Paul lays out his case for this great love of God, we find that it's not just undeserved, it's initiating and sacrificial. Look at this. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the great and the godly and those good people. Is that what it says? Not in my Bible. No, for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, or perhaps a good person, one might dare to die. God, he shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, rebellious, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more, now that we're reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Those who can grasp this, and I can just barely grasp this. Those who can grasp this, it forever changes you. When you can grasp that God is who he says he is, and that same God sees us as we really are, and while we are so far from what we should be, the fact that God loves us like that, he would die for us in that state, not you get your act together and then you come to me, but rather right where you are, I love you this much, I'm going to rescue you no matter what the cost, I want to rescue you. You grasp that, it changes you. It changes you. And it leads to this deep conviction that Paul himself has as we continue to read on Romans chapter 8. Take a look at, at this, the, the profound conviction that, that Paul has about the love of God. Paul reaches this conclusion after he reflects on this love, after he's experienced this love, as he's seen this love demonstrated. He says, what's going to separate us from this kind of love? Tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Danger? No. Sword? No. I am sure. I am convinced. I am convicted that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, even if they're a Packer fan, will be able to separate, even if they don't like country, nothing will be able to separate us, nothing from the love of God. Nothing in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you experience a love that is undeserved, when you experience a love that is initiating, 
when you experience a love that is sacrificial and you can soak that in, it changes you. It changes you. It leads to that deep conviction. What can separate me from a love like this? What can separate me? And that kind of conviction, that leads to security. Because this love has been tested and true, and they've continued to reach out for you, even when you weren't worth reaching out to, at least in, in your own mind. That kind of issue, at least security. Hey, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere, and, and this love, I guess, isn't going to change. That kind of security then leads to intimacy, because when you're loved like that and you have that kind of security, you can trust that person. You realize, I can trust them with my heart. I can trust them with my mind. I can trust them with my life. And then that kind of intimacy, that fosters love. A love that lasts and grows over a lifetime. This is why Jesus can, can, can rightfully say that the kingdom of God, understanding the kingdom of God, entering the kingdom of God, it is like finding a treasure in a field that is worth selling everything to say, I want that. It's worth giving up everything to have that. Because that's what matters most. We were created for that kind of love. We were created first and foremost by God, but also for those around us. We were created for acceptance. Why else do people do such crazy things when they're in love? Because they just, they, they, they want this. Why, why do people um, do stupid things to be popular? Because they want that acceptance. You know, when, when you feel love and acceptance, it is a powerful, powerful thing. In our innermost being, we long for someone who's always going to be there. We long for someone who's going to extend grace when we fall. We long to have someone who helps us when we struggle rather than saying, boy, you're really struggling. Get your act together. We long for that. We long for those who don't point out our every flaw, but rather someone who inspires us to be our best. That's what we long for. And that's the kind of love that God loves us with. God loves us with that kind of love. This is why so often... If you get on these camps and retreats where, where, boy, it is community like God created it to be, and we're treating each other the way God would have us to treat each other, and we're worshiping the way God would have us to worship, that's why so many times you'll see this emotion just come out. This emotion, because it's like, this is what I long for. It's also, kind of on a very different note, it's also why there's so much crying at middle school dances. On a very different note. Because I just want someone to dance with and to love me. And I've been dating them for two days and now we're breaking up, you know. And that whole thing. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and, um, and it's because we long for We long for relationships. We long for them. And we would hope, I think all of us, we would hope that there would be people in our lives that would at least try to love us that way. We long for that. For people who would at least try to love us the way God loves us. And that brings us then to Romans 12. And, it, and I was planning to just jump into Romans 12 at the beginning. But it was great. I felt like the Spirit was saying, look at Romans. Look at Romans. Because it's the first 11 chapters that set up chapter 12. After 11 chapters of, of Paul saying, here's how God loves us. Here's who God is. Here's what God has done. Here's what God believes you can be. After all of that, we finally then get to chapter 12, which has the implications for us and our response to that kind of love. And here it is. Paul says, Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, would you present your bodies now as a living sacrifice? even as my son did, holy and acceptable to God. That's your spiritual act of worship. 
Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern, and I put the Greek word there, we'll come to that in a second, what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, this is not how Romans opens up. Hey, get your act together. Hey, people, love like this. Because I said so. It sets it up with, hey, we are the recipients of an undeserved love. We are the recipients of a love that initiates. We are the recipients of a love that is sacrificial. In light of that love, which can change you, which can change this world, in light of this love that you've already been given, in light of this, would you love each other this way? And it, it's interesting that this Greek word is a fascinating word. There's no one word we have in English that really does it justice. It's a word that communicates this idea of put this to the test and you'll find that it's true. Put this to the test and you'll find that it's true. And I think we all know that this is true. We all know that this is true. Again, I wish we had more time. If we did, we would go line by line in what follows here. I've had to summarize it for the sake of time. I would encourage you to read chapter 12 and think about this through the lens of, wow, what if we loved each other this way? What if we respond to each other this way? Imagine a love like this. Think about this. If someone were to say, okay, I'm going to test you, God. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try to love people this way. And let's see if this is effective. Imagine if you were the recipient of a love like this. Imagine that, okay? A love that was genuine. No, no, there was nothing fake, nothing manipulative. They hated what's evil. They, they would call things out and they say, you know what, this is, boy, you are just going down the wrong path. But it was coming from this place of love and care. And they'd hold fast to what's good. A love that was affectionate. And look at this. Outdoing one another and showing honor. Can you imagine having a friend or someone in your family or someone in your life that perhaps you're married to that, that was trying to outdo you when it came to honoring you? How cool would that be? And what would that do inside? A love that was zealous, protective, and, and passionate about your relationship. A love that rejoiced in hope, that was patient in tribulation. That's a strong word. That was patient when, when it seems like there's so much turmoil and, and everything in our relationship. Patient through that and constant in prayer for us. Imagine this. Imagine being loved like this. Imagine if they blessed you when you lashed out at them. Imagine if you, in your worst moment, you said that thing that came out of your mouth and it was sharp and it was harsh and it was horrible. Imagine if instead they said, well, you, what if instead they just, they just took it in and said, you know, boy, this doesn't sound like you. But tell me more about that. Tell me why you're feeling this way. Imagine how that would diffuse things rather than escalate things. What if there was people in your lives who rejoiced when you rejoiced and they wept when you wept? What if they sought harmony in your relationship? What if they were never wise in their own sight? What if they never said, well, it's this way, and you know, but rather they were humble and they were listening to you? And related to one of the ones we looked at earlier, what if they never repaid evil for evil, but instead they did what was honorable? They took the high road even when you didn't and overcame uh, your evil. It's good. If, if, if someone in your life said, you know what, I'm going I'm to test this out. I'm going to see if this, this works or not. I'm going to put God to the test this way. They started loving you this way. How many of you would say, with a show of hands, how many of you would say, yep, this feels like the type of love that God would have for us? How many would say that? Not everybody? 
hands. If, if you, right. Is God's word not true? If, if we tried testing this and we started loving people this way and you were loved this way, if you were loved this way, there would be something in you that would say, yep, this is right. Yes, this is good. Yes, this is God's will. There would be something in you if you were loved that way that would say, this is how we should treat one another. And as the, you were loved that way, by that person, it would lead to a conviction. A conviction, this person is really good to me. And out of that conviction, it would lead to a security. You know what? This person's in this for the long haul. There would be a security that would foster intimacy. If this was consistently, if you were consistently loved this way, you could develop a trust. I can trust them with my heart. I can trust them with my feelings. I can trust them with my thoughts. I, I can be open. I can be transparent. I can trust them. And then that kind of intimacy fosters a love that grows. That love is powerful. It's a love that draws people together. It draws people together. A love where, where this person doesn't just keep bringing up the past. Once you've said, I'm sorry. They don't keep bringing up the past. That kind of love draws you together. A love where when you struggle with something, rather than beat you up for your struggles, they say, how can I help? How can I come alongside you? You know, that type of thing. When, when, when a love listens without getting defensive or firing back. When someone does have to speak the truth to you, they do it and, and they set boundaries and they, there's natural consequences and all that stuff. But when they do it, you can tell it's coming from a place of love rather than something else. That's the kind of love we intuitively know that God wants us to experience, wants us to extend. And this room is filled with very smart people. So you know exactly where I'm going, don't you? You know exactly where I'm going. This is the love we all know we want. This is the love we all know makes it easier for us to love in return. So, please write this down if you haven't already figured it out. If you want to experience love that grows over a lifetime, then love like you want to be loved. Or as we wrote it in your notes, because of the series, focus on becoming the spouse you wish you had. Now, if you're not married and you're planning to get married someday, still write this down and apply this. One, the best advice you could ever get before you're married. If you want to get married someday, start right now. Whether you are 12, whether you're 20, 30, 40, start, become that spouse that you want to marry. Start right now. If you know or think, I'm never going to get married or never get married again, then sub out the word instead of spouse. Good friend, coworker. It, it works for all of those relationships. Become that person that you want to be in that relationship with. Become that person in terms of your character. Now, is, is that going to be easy? <laughs> no. In fact, I, I don't know anything that's going to be harder. Even in a great relationship. Is it going to be easy? No. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done because we're not in heaven yet. You know, we're not experiencing the new heaven, the new earth yet. Here's what we're experiencing, and this is in Romans also. Romans chapter uh, 8, I believe it's in. Yeah, 8. Look at this. And, and Paul starts by saying, okay, in light of God's love, I consider sufferings of present time. It's not even worth comparing to the glory that's yet to be revealed to us. There is a day that is coming. And he says this, but now the whole creation 
See if this doesn't fit your experience. The whole creation, it has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. Now it's a guy writing this. So women are going, you know nothing about, but the Holy Spirit inspired him, okay? Holy Spirit inspired him. Holy Spirit knows it. So this is a good metaphor, okay? Not, all right. Um, so it's, we are groaning together. Pains of childbirth without the epidural until now. As we wait eagerly, we, we wait for the redemption of our bodies, the restoration of this world. Now, hope that is seen, it's not hope. Who hopes for what they see? But we hope for what we do not see, and we wait for it with patience. What he's saying there is, is, is our experience right now. We live in a fallen world. People don't love us the way God wants us to love each other. God knows that. He knows this is hard. He knows things are not as they should be. And you're going to groan, and it's going to be hard at different times. But there's a hope. And look at this. The hope, he continues just in this passage. The Spirit will help us in our weakness. We don't even know what to pray. But the Spirit himself will intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. The Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, oh, for them, all things are going to work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. All things. Even the thing that looks like it's not going well. Even the thing that, 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 that crashes and burns. God can even use that. If we are responding in God-honored ways and inviting him to do so. Even in the midst of this hard stuff, God wants to help. This isn't heaven. We're not home yet. There's that great song on Christian radio right now. That we're not home yet song. It's so true. So true. We're not there yet. And people aren't going to love you the way the Bible says to love each other. But here's your part. And we looked at this briefly last week. Here's our part. This is also from Romans. Romans 12, 18. Our part. So far as it depends on whom? You. As far as it depends on you. When you stand before God, you want to have a clear conscience that says, I tried my best, God. I did my best. The results aren't up to you. Saving your marriage is not up to you because you're married to a person who's got a will. It's not up to you. But you at least want to get to a point where it says, as much as it depended on me, God, I tried my best with your help to love as you loved me. I tried to be obedient to what it was you said. I did my best. That's all we can do. But what the great thing about the all we can do is it's better than all we can do because God wants to step in and help and do things beyond what we could do on our own. That's why we're using these terms like Christ-like. And I encourage you to write this down here in your notes. This Christ-like love, this love that the Spirit can give us, this love that, that as we are going to talk about in a minute here, as we die to ourselves, that God can resurrect in us, this Christ-like power, that has the power to change hearts and minds in a way that selfish, conditional love never will. That kind of love is powerful. The love of God, this undeserved, unmerited, um, sacrificial love, it has changed people. One of the examples that Christians frequently cite is a guy named um, uh, John Newton, I think it is. Who's the guy that wrote Amazing Grace? Yeah, John Newton. Um, John Newton. This guy, what was his profession before he wrote Amazing Grace? He was a slave trader. A slave trader who discovered this love of God and it changed him forever. So much so, he was able to write this song that we sing even today of amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. And there's a more recent example that's still old school, but more recent to me. Um, anybody else watch that series, the Hatfield-McCoy series? Oh, 
It was good. Well, don't let your kids watch it, but it was good. It was really good. Here's a guy. His nickname was Devil Ants. Um, Devil Ants Hatfield. And this guy had every reason. This is from the Hatfield-McCoy feud, right? This guy had every reason to be jaded. This guy did not stop, start off with a, a pleasant disposition towards God. This is a guy who committed atrocities that I hope none of you ever commit. This is a guy who had things happen to him that I hope never happened to you. This is also a guy who something happened in late in life. And at age 73, what happened? What did he do? He was baptized. Baptized. Somehow, this message of God's amazing love broke through to this guy. God's love can change us when we understand it, when we experience it. This Christ-like love that then he wants to extend through us, it can change even hard people. It can change slave traders. It can, it can change murderers. It can change people whose lives experience someone murdering their kin. It can change us. There is always hope. Always hope. There is always hope when we extend Christ-like love because we serve the God of the possible. With God, all things are possible. And as we yield ourselves to letting him change us and as we yield ourselves to doing what he says to do, all things are possible. And this is why I know right now, I'm convinced right now, that defenses are coming up as you're thinking about, okay, applying this? Really? They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Well... I'm not going to minimize what you're going through. But I also don't want to give it more power than it has. I would encourage you to read the first 11 chapters of Romans. Do they deserve your love any less than you deserve God's love? No. You might be thinking, well, okay, but they should be the ones to go first. They should be the ones trying to fix this. You probably have a great case. In a courtroom, you'd probably win. But read the first chapter, 11 chapters of Romans. Did God wait for us to go first? No. He didn't wait for us to go first. And you could say, well, this is going to be hard. To love this person who doesn't love me like that, that is going to be hard. It is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. But are you being asked to do more than Christ did? When you take up your cross, is it going to be the same as the cross he took up? <laughs> it's hard. And, and, but here's, here's the beautiful thing about it. Your self-sacrifice, your dying to self, that is not the end. That is not, that is not the goal. The goal is not the death. The goal is the what? The, from your marriage, pick this up. When the, your wedding, that wedding talk you gave, the, I want to ask if you still know it because that would put you on the spot. But it, we're, not, we're not focusing on the death. It is the resurrection, right? That's the end. The death is a means to the resurrection. So as we die to self, the whole goal behind dying to self is that something better is going to be resurrected in us and in the relationship we're in. This is also from Romans, Romans 6. I've almost always looked at this in light of baptism. It's true of baptism. It's also true of relationships. It says this, Romans 6, 5 through 11. If we have been united with Christ in a death like his, we will be united with him in a what? A 
resurrection like his. We know that our old self, it was crucified with him, not as an end in and of itself, but in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. All of these these thoughts of, of, I deserve this, or I should be treated this way, or I, I, will, I, will, I will love them if they love me, that that stuff just gets killed, it gets brought to nothing, that we're no longer enslaved to that. How great would that be if we were no longer enslaved to that? But we could walk around with a peace and a confidence, and we wouldn't feel like flipping off the person who cut us off, you know? I would love to be set free. Deliver me from that, Lord, of, of having that feeling. I'm It's inside. Inside, I'm one-fingering salute. I'm not on the outside yet, but, but anyway, the... We, I just wish it'd be dead, you know? I wish it'd be dead in me. I wish it'd be dead. And, and God wants to do that. He wants to set us free from that kind of stuff. But we're like, so what? So what? You know? I'll pray for you. All right? But we've died with Christ. We can believe you will live with him. God wants to do this. The, the whole point of dying to ourselves is not so, look, God, how miserable I am. Are you pleased with me now? It's in hope of God bringing something to life that is dying or dead. That by dying to ourselves, we can bring new life. And again, you know this to be true. You know that if someone initiates with you, you know that if they love you first, you know that if you come blaring and they are able to, with strength and conviction, absorb it and just say, tell me more about that. You know what that does inside. It helps diffuse rather than escalate. escalate. There is power there. It is the power of the gospel. That brings us back full circle, Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of this gospel. Even as a guy here, I'm not ashamed to talk about love because it is the power of God. Loving in this way, extending this kind of love, releases the power of God. Now, are there any guarantees that it's going to work? No. Did everyone, re- did everyone respond favorably to God when he came as a person? No. So there's no guarantees that it's going to work. But this is your best shot. That's why I want to encourage those of you who are trying to do this. I know so many of you, you are in a relationship and you're saying, okay, God, as much as it depends on me, I want to try this. Way to go. We want to be a church that cheers you on in that. If you are in a marriage that appears to be going the wrong direction or it's really struggling, we want to cheer you on as you do as much as it depends on you. And if you've got a brother or a sister or a friend or a coworker or whatever, and you're doing the best you can, get some brothers and sisters around you who can cheer you on because you need it because it's hard, right? And who can give you advice and wisdom and all these kind of things. Um, as we bring this thing to a close, let me put a very real stamp on this because I never want to just get up here and say fluffy stuff that, that's Christianese babble, right? I want to make this real. And, and I'm married. I've been married for... Um, been married to Laura for over 10 years, for 10 years. And, uh, and, and it's, it's hard. It's hard. Even when we both want this, it's hard. And, and I think about the times where, where um, we would have a blow-up. And we live on a circle. We live on a circle. Real close to you, I guess, Jake. Um, we live on a circle. And, uh, and, and there are times where things escalate. And I'm like, I just got to get out of here before I say more that I don't want to say. And and. and and usually that first lap around the circle is really ugly stuff. In my head, it's ugly stuff. That, that first lap around the, the circle, it's just that honesty of where I am and what I feel. And you know what? Every one of us, that lap one, that's part of it. 
you know, don't feel guilty about the lap one, about just saying, God, this is hard, and I feel like she should, or I feel like he should, or I'm so tired of being the one who tries. I'm so tired, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Be honest with God. Take your lap one. God can handle it. We see examples of it in the scripture, of people crying out even to God, saying, God, this doesn't feel fair. This is not what I dreamed of. I feel deceived. I feel like I married one person, and I'm married now to somebody else. Put that out there. Take your lap one. And lap one might be a lot, of, a lot of lap ones. But then usually, usually on my best days anyway, there's a lap two. And the lap two is, okay, God, this is what I feel. I need your help. Would you help me make things better? That's my lap two. And it usually takes about that lap two just to calm down. Say, God, would you speak? Would you speak? Would you speak? And then again, on my best days with God's help by his grace, Every time. I've never on lap three. Lap three is the, okay, go do this. Never in lap three have I ever heard, okay, now you go tell her. (laughs) You know, never. I formulate those in my head, and I hear the Holy Spirit, no, no, no. (laughs) Lap three, I'm just being real with you, lap three is always, you go and you say you're sorry for what you, your part of this is. Because there's always your part. Always your part, too. And then, and then you let her know you are committed to this and, and, and you want to work through this. You communicate that. And then you listen. You let her get out her lap one stuff without pushing back. And when I can do that, when I can get to that place, or when Laura does that and she gets to that place, boy, then God, what he says is proven true. You know, that there's something different. It unleashes a new power that we don't have in trying to argue. Neither Laura or I have ever won an argument with each other. (laughs) When you start arguing with a strong person, it just escalates, right? You don't win that. You don't win that. But when we inject the power of God, something different happens. And that's what I want to encourage all of us to be doing. To to say, God, would you help me? You know, it's really interesting. I'm, um, I'm reading right now through the book of Joshua. I'm working my way through the Bible again, and, and I'm in Joshua. And there's a really interesting passage I just came across this week. Um, Joshua has now just entered the promised land, and he's seen God do amazing things already. The walls of Jericho fall down after they march around and blow some trumpets, and that's amazing. Well, then they come to this little Hickville, this little um, little tiny village, basically. And, and, and so his commanders, the army, are like, we got this. You give us a couple guys, we'll take this place. Joshua's, all right, go take it. Well, they, they go up against this enemy, and the enemy defeats them. And, and they come running back. And Joshua, it says, Joshua is before God face down. And Joshua said, God, how could you let this happen? Joshua's on lap one. He's saying, God, how can you let this happen? Our enemies are going to see this. They're going to mock us. They're going to surround us. They're going to realize we, we can be beat. We're vulnerable. Why did you bring us here only to be destroyed? And what's interesting about God is he doesn't say, would you just keep praying? God basically says, shut up, Joshua. He ba- get off your face is the, the way it's translated in my Bible. Get off your face, Joshua. You go deal with the sin you need to deal with. I'm going to tell you what to do. You go do it. Quit praying. Go do it. Some of us, perhaps that's what God's saying, with much more gentleness and kindness. <laughs> or not. I don't know. Um, but are you willing to say, okay, God, you, you, extending Christ like love. Okay, 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 here we go. And don't try to do it alone. 
Don't try to do it alone. Invite others into it. Get brothers and sisters around you praying for you. Get, get great advice. Find a great counselor. Get in a great small group. Start reading. Start listening so that you become more equipped to extend this kind of love. Well, at the, let's have the worship band come up and, and let's, let's do this. This is an invitation from God. This is an invitation to, to die in such a way where our death brings about something wonderful. Something wonderful. It might take years, but this could be the start of a day where things start turning around. So let's do this. We're going to be gathering around the Lord's table. If you're not familiar with our church, if you want to look at the back of your bullet and we say a little bit about communion, if, if, if you read through that and you say, that's me today, we would love for you to come forward. Love for you to come forward. Whether you're a member of this church, whether you've never been to church before a day in your life, if, if you can sincerely respond to what it says back there, we would love for you to come forward. Well, let's pray together these prayers that, 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 um, that, boy, we can all relate to these things. But then I encourage you not just to pray together as one voice, but also make this real and personal as you come before God today. So let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive. But say the word and we will be made clean. Let's continue to pray. Father, we pray now that you will take this time and make it yours. Holy Spirit, descend on us and well up within us, we pray, that the things, the lap one stuff, that you would have us to just come and pour out to you these very real frustrations and very real disappointments and deep hurts that have wounded us. Lord, we pray that you would enable us to cry out to you as one who is trustworthy, that we could cry out and say, here's exactly how we are and Lord, I pray that you would meet us there and instill hope that things can change if we trust you. So Lord, help us to put our trust in you and leave that behind. And we pray, Lord, that you would tell us what our next step is as we walk and try to follow you. Lord, give us that next step. So help us now leave everything here at your altar, all of these pain and disappointment. God, may we now come and, and receive from you, receive from you this morning, that we may come out of this place strengthened and encouraged and empowered to follow you. God has so many great invitations for us, and this is one of them. You know, that step by step, I'll lead you. It, it, the, you know, the message, if you heard today, get out there and get your act together, that, no, it, it, hopefully you didn't hear that. Hopefully you heard, hey, you don't have to walk alone. In fact, if you go to the scripture, the very first not good you're going to find in the Bible is, it's not good to be alone. It's not good to be alone. And God doesn't want you to be alone. He wants to walk with you. He wants to help you. He wants to indwell you so that these things that are impossible for you could be possible with him. And he wants to surround you with brothers and sisters to walk along the way. My hope is that our church will continue to be a place, and even more so, where this is the place you can be the most honest. 
unfortunately, a lot of people, they come, you know, to different churches and they feel like this is the place they have to cover things up. You know, I have to put on some kind of fake facade, you know, because I don't want people to know that we're struggling. I hope this is the place we can come and together we can work on things, whether it's this or some other topic, because we all got stuff, don't we? We all got stuff. And if there's things we can do to help, let us know. If it's putting down a prayer request, let us know. If there's conversations you want to have, let us know. If there's people we can connect you with, let us know. We'd love to help. We'd love to help. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who step-by-step will lead us. Thank you that you're a God who, again, this blows me away, that you're a God who doesn't say, fix it and then come to me. You're a God who says, let's fix this together. Let's fix this together. In fact, let me fix it for you. Trust me. Yield to me. Let go. And watch what I can do. So, Lord, let us yield to you today. Whether it be this or, or whatever, we need to yield before you. And give us a great week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week.